And so um, it's it's designed to build you to a certain place. And so I'm praying that this series uh, has been a blessing to you and will continue to be a blessing to you. You know, well, um, last week was uh, Mother's Day and uh, I didn't get all finished. You know, and uh, it, it's something special. Um, how God uses what I call God's leading ladies to do the things that he has assigned them to do. And so uh, in typical Pastor David form, I just don't rush it no more. I used to just rush it and just try to fit it all in and just like force it down your throat. Make you be choking up with the stuff. Uh, but now I just take my time and we'll get there when we get there. And um, and so this um, in my notes, it says Mother's Day part two. OK, um, but it's also a sense for everyone. So, if you know, if you're not a mother, don't turn me off. Um, if you're not a lady, don't turn me off, neither. Um, I just want you to know that there is a certain capacity that God has given um, for ministers of deliverance um, in, in women of God. But you, you need to know how to understand it so you can partner with it appropriately. Um, I would hate for God to send your answer, the answer to the thing you've been praying for in female form and you couldn't receive it because she said it. You know, husbands got to watch that. You know what I'm saying? Like, can we talk about it? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, God, you've been praying, you've been praying, and then God say something to her, and then you bristle up. I'm the head of this house. Oh, then brother, pump the brakes. It might be your prayer that's getting answered, right? Uh, the fact that, you know, God gives, God demonstrates in the answers that he gives the problem that was there. So when he said, it's not good for man to be long. I will make him my help. So by definition, men need help. You know, even my lightning fast fine. I'm not even a minor prophet. And I figured that one out. Whatever he whatever he provided demonstrates what was needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we just want to be those that are sensitive and understand what God is doing. So you've seen my objectives before. We, we're really dealing with number three. Um, there, we've talked about a desire, a demand, a diligence, a discipline. Now we're really talking about the discipleship and dominion for deliverance. That um, discipleship meanings we are people that are practicing principles to walk in our deliverance, but then we're also teaching others um about the things that that god has taught us in terms of deliverance the scripture tells us that um and today i'm really talking about what i call like regional deliverance and community impact regional deliverance you know because sometimes we can spend all of our time dealing with us, our family, and no more. And then there's a community around us that's going through challenge. Um, but 
to really make an impact on a region with deliverance, then you're going to have to deal with the fact that you're going to have to not only be delivered, but you're going to have to teach people around you and work to create a movement of people all moving in the same direction. And so I think about David um, in scripture and how when David uh, came out to the world, his coming out party was when he faced Goliath and how he said, all the world's gonna know that there's a God in Israel. And then all of Israel's gonna know that the Lord doesn't save with sword or spear because the battle is the Lord's. But David not only learned how to face a Goliath, he trained others. Some people said he had five smooth stones because of all these different reasons. Well, scripture goes on to tell us that David had four sons who were also giants, that Goliath had these four sons, right? And at a later point in time, they came to attack David at the point where his strength was waning. He's older now, fought a lot of wars. He's He's really a, a seasoned veteran, but he doesn't have the same strength. And they said, we can take him out now. We can get revenge. And then David's son said, hold up. They said, hold up. And then his boy said, oh, you, <laughs> you think you, you know, Goliath's boys? He said, my, my boys got you. And David didn't do nothing. His boys took him out. What I want you to understand is that the discipleship that you walk in, in, in deliverance in your own life, if you really learn it and get it down the right way that God intends it, you'll learn principles that you'll be able to teach others, and then they can walk in those principles as well, and then they can have the deliverance. And the objective of all of that is to create a movement of deliverance that begins to change people. That's why you got to be okay telling the real testimony. You know what I'm saying? Because the fake news won't help nobody. It didn't even help you because that's not the way it happened. You understand what I'm saying? All right. The gospel um, is good news. This can't be fake news. So you got to tell them, you know, this is who I really was when God delivered me. All right. And you got to give people the real truth and the real process that changed your life. Because if it didn't move you, it's not going to move them. Yeah. God taught you something. He showed you something and you can help somebody else. So we, we said these, and this is the only list I got. I've given you this list before. Um, eight principles on your being a minister of deliverance. A minister of deliverance, number one, must know his or her identity in Christ, recognize their seat of authority and be sensitive to the armor of God, who you are in Christ. Right. And we're going to the. These are the precepts, the example that we're going to give is a female example today, but it says his or her. So that's true for both of you. And you also remember what we talked about, the fact that you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's just not, you know, that's just not any old seat. It's a seat of authority. So you have to know what your authority is. And then you have to know when to put on your spiritual armor and go to war on situations and stand against and stand for things. Number two, a minister of deliverance must have a dynamic daily empowerment of the Holy Spirit. 
um, you must take time and cultivate um, the, your relationship with the Spirit of God. In Ephesians, it says, be being filled. That's the, that's, the, that's the Greek tense of it. It's not just, you know what, I got filled once and I'm good for the rest of my life. You wouldn't say that. You wouldn't run by the gas station too many times saying, I got filled one good time and that's good. I know we're trying to go from gas to electric, but we're not there yet. Okay. And even when you go from gas to electric, you're going to have to charge up somehow, somewhere, or you're going to be stuck on the side of the road with your electric car too. You must have this dynamic daily empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Three, a minister of deliverance must know the reality of and their authority over evil spirits. Yeah, evil spirits are real. You know, I was, me and uh, um, I was away uh, from town and um, and then I went, um, when I was out of town, I was doing some ministry uh, with, with uh, my friend, um, Dr. James Foster in Chicago. We went, we said, hey, we should just go to a movie. We like to hang out together and stuff. And, and then we went, um, of course, I like the Marvel comic, you know, cinematic universe. MCU, all you Marvel fans, y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And um, and so we, we, the one that was out at that time was Venom. And um, we went to see it, but, you know, as they were describing what they call a symbiote relationship, and this alternative thing that took this person over, I said, Lord, that's demon possession. I don't care what nobody say. You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm just trying to watch a good movie. I'm trying to suspend my reality, <laughs> have fun with my boy. You know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to watch a movie. I, I wasn't trying to do no sin. I wasn't trying to, you know what I'm saying? I just, I just like to chill and watch a movie. You know what I'm saying? But I can't turn my spiritual brain off. And here I am watching this stuff and this other voice is speaking up with a different voice. I'm like, you understand what I'm saying? I can't. Now, some people, to them, that's make-believe. But they were describing an entity that was coming to take possession with a, a, an alter ego that was taking control of a person. That's all through scripture. The madman of Gadara had that, didn't he? Another voice spoke that wasn't his voice. And then that thing got in him and Jesus got it out of him. And then those things went out and went into some pigs that were stay, standing nearby. And then when that left, the scripture says he was clothed and in his right mind. So before that, he was unclothed and in a wrong mind. But the wrong mind wasn't his. I'm just saying we got to recognize, you know, I like a good movie. The pastor, your pastor, okay, like a good movie, just like the rest of you. No, you, and you may not be one of those, but I do. Okay, but but I can't ignore spiritual reality when I see it. Does that make sense? All right, so we have to understand that there is evil spirits out there, but not to the point that it just makes us afraid, but that we recognize that the armor we have is God's own armor. And if you can't imagine God being scared of the devil, neither should you be. Number four, a minister of deliverance must take authority over natural things with spiritual rules. Some things aren't, you know, everything ain't the devil. You know, <laughs> I, 
you know, the devil stopped my car. Did you stop by the gas station? I'm just saying. Now, the reason you might not have stopped by the gas station is because you haven't taken authority over the spirit that's trying to keep you in poverty. So it could be a natural thing with the spiritual root. And so we just want to be able to like, I want a spiritual church, but I don't want a spooky church. Okay. Some people, man, every, every little thing that go wrong is the devil. Listen, you not that important. <laughs> he don't stop everything he doing just to hang out at your corner. Right. Life happens. Even Jesus with all of his important, the devil left him for a season. So he's not staying with you all the time, trying to mess up your life every day. Sometimes he set things in motion because he knows he got you. Then he can walk off and leave you and go deal with somebody else. But that's a story for a different day. Number five, a minister of deliverance must keep the main thing, the main thing. You must minister the word of God, for it is the power of God to those who believe. Jesus preached and taught. Both declaration and explanation are necessary for people to walk in the victory that God has given them. He understood that for people to retain the deliverance, that they would have to change their own way of thinking. So he told them to repent, to change your mind. All right. Because you can get somebody something that they can't keep. Wouldn't you hate, you know, that they gave you the extreme makeover home edition? And then because the value of your house went up, your taxes went up too, and then you couldn't afford to pay the taxes or to maintain the thing that they gave you. You know, stuff, stories like that do happen. You know what I'm saying? Their whole tax base doesn't change. And their income didn't change to match it. You know, the, the county assessors come by and give you a new valuation on what, the, on what your tax base is. And then all of a sudden, tax time come two times a year quite regularly. I'm just saying. Right. So so spiritually, the same thing can happen. You can be getting um, into a deliverance and then and somebody can can go through a thing and get you delivered. That's why Jesus often said, go and sin no more unless a worse thing come upon you because you won't go back to where you were. You're going to either get better or you're going to get worse. That's why, like I tell people, listen, man, I know too much to backslide. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, like, the devil ever got me on the other side, it would not be good. Like, if something happened, your pastor, you know, man, he just, you know, y'all know, man, something must have went wrong. You, he went the wrong way because you know too much. It's not going to, you're not going to go back to where you were. It's either you're going to keep getting better or you're going to get progressively worse. All right, number six, a minister of deliverance sees darkness and brings the light. The light that you have in your own life can bring light to others. Understand that God's intention is that the light in you grows until it affects not only you, not only your family, but the region in which you live. Man, I got some mean neighbors. Okay. Maybe it's your light that's going to turn off the darkness. You know, my dad work with people and they were some mean people, but somehow dad just found a way to, yeah, he did. Oh, for grace <laughs> to trust you more. I'm working on it. Okay. <laughs> I've not achieved like my dad in that area. Okay. But, but recognize that there's sometimes that 
that you are there to be the difference. All right. Number seven, a minister of deliverance is moved with compassion and inspired by the image of delivered people. So let's deal with the image. You've heard me say it, that you can't live above the image you hold of yourself within yourself. But I would assert you can't minister beyond the image you hold within yourself of the people you minister to. So if I only see you where you are, then I'll minister to you from that. And then I'll say, man, they ain't going to never get it. I'm just keeping it moving. But I have to look at you and see beyond where you are to where you can be and then minister to that image. And then when God shows you the image that he showed me, then he begins to do spiritual reconstructive surgery to transform you into that same image. So you got to be moved with compassion, see them in all of their faults, be compassionate towards it. But the picture you have to have of them is a deliverance beyond where they're dealing right now. All right. And then finally, finally, number eight, um, a minister of deliverance engages others into their ministry of deliverance through discipleship. And that's the piece that we're going to deal with today, that um, you're, you're, in, you're created to not only be delivered, um, you're not created to deliver others, but you're created to engage others in the ministry of deliverance. So get the principles of your life down. Scripture says that there are people that are learning but are never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. King David version says they're stuck on stupid forever. Get it down what he wants you to know so that you can get it in your life. You can minister it to others. And then through them, they can minister to people beyond you. That's when we begin to affect our community. All right. So this is Mother's Day part two. Let me give you my definition of motherhood. This is review pieces. Motherhood is a kingdom office and officer established by God, whereby women of God receive spiritual, emotional and physical seed, multiply them, return them to the world. That's kind of the the wound man receive the seed, multiplied and return. Nurture them to their utmost destiny and potential and recover them in times of crisis, challenge and critical change. All right. Now, um, the, the key things that we want, you know, the receive, multiply, return piece we've talked about at length. The thing that I want you to understand is that it's not just your natural mother who gives physical seeds. Some, like sometimes husbands impregnate wives with thoughts. And then you sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. I just want that pregnant pause right there. Because some things stay around and then it, it just it, it's like a refi of a mortgage. It just every once it gets, you know, it just balloons up. You thought you had fixed it years ago. I remember winning, man. It just come out like ticker tape. Like it was yesterday. A long, long time ago in a place far, far away, I was really not sure. You know, I was, some days I was in with Nedra and out. And then I said, honey, but I done married you now. I put a ring on it. Why we got to go back and talk about that? <laughs> but every once in a while, that thought reemerges as a new baby. Okay, so you just got to understand that's part of the way that God wired 
the women of God. All right. I got an acrostic definition of mother. It says it's a material, a maternal, maternal overseer, teacher, healer, exhorter, and revealer. Um, I also talked to you about the scripture in uh, Proverbs 31.10. It says, who can find a virtuous woman, a woman of virtue? And then I gave you the definition of virtue. The word, the word there, the word there um, that talks about a virtuous woman in other places talks about a man of valor. Same word. That means that the strength, the strength um, that God gives um, is not for men only. All right. And I, and the scripture tells us that in modern, in modern um, Hebrew, the word virtuous woman, that word there would be called a woman soldier. Because as, as uh, my friend will tell you that uh, everybody is drafted at a certain age in Israel. Everybody joins the army for a specific period of time. And so that word there is just describing a woman soldier. But the same word would be used for a man soldier if, if you call it did a man of valor or a woman of virtue. So what we want you to understand is that from God's perspective, you have strength, power, you have substance, you have valor, you have virtue, you have riches, you have might. You are a one person army. So when he begins to move on you to make a difference in your community, don't say, who am I and how can this be? Don't say that. Recognize that there's something in you that he's calling out of you to make a difference in the situations that you see around you. Amen. So we talked about Sarah. We talked about um, Jacobed last week. Um, and I, I gave you um, a list and then I went back and did some... Um, I graded my own homework and I realized that I had missed one. Right. And so what I said was that there was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Levi, Amram, and then Moses. But it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I'm checking my notes. Levi, Kohath, Amram, and then Moses. So it's actually seven generations. OK. Um, Pastor won't, you know, correct his own mistakes. All right. Then we talked about Rahab and how she delivered her family. We talked about the woman. Uh, the widow and Elijah. We talked about the Shunammite woman with Elisha. I also said that she was not an Israelite, but the scripture actually goes back and says Shunam was a part of Israel. So she was not a foreigner. All right. Because I like to get all my facts straight. OK, um, we talked about a key statement that I gave you um, last week, specifically talking about mothers. And it says when you have a problem, God has a baby, but you must deliver the deliverer that is born to deliver you. Jesus' parents delivered him from Herod so he could rise up and deliver them from Herod. Moses' parents delivered him from Pharaoh so that he could rise up and deliver them from Pharaoh. Sometimes part of your deliverance is in the home, your deliverance ministry, seeing the, the, the seed that God has raised as a sign to you and delivering them. And listen, because you have a nurturing capability, um, I had teachers, you know, every once in a while, there was a, a lady when I was going through at University of Michigan who really helped me get through. And on Mother's Day, I just reach out to her and just tell her Happy Mother's Day, because in that environment, she mothered me. Now, she, she wasn't the person who nurtured me and, you know, 
none of those things back when I was a child. But in that environment, I needed her help. And I needed a safe space emotionally. And I needed somebody to give me practical tools to navigate what for me was a very difficult institution. And so in that instance, in that sense, she was a mother to me in that environment. Does that make sense? Why? Because I want you to think multidimensionally when you begin to think about this. All right. Um, but today, what I want you to think beyond your own children or household and began to think through regional deliverance. How can God use you to influence your community for him and push back oppression? When you see the circumstances around you, is there a seed within you that can really make a difference? That's a question you need to ask yourself. Don't put it off on Man, somebody should do something. You might be that somebody. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was dealing with the young man online and um, good, good man, good brother. And he was talking about churches and preachers and stuff like that. And I just said, hey, man. Um, and I wasn't disagreeing with you and I wasn't coming to argue online. I don't do that. But I just said, listen, you're identifying an issue. Don't just put it on them. God may be talking to you about something he wants you to do. See, it's easier just to push, you know, throw the rock and hide your hand. Right? It's a whole lot easier to critique than it is to create. Yeah, it's easy. You know, we, we man, um, and Facebook, I mean, Facebook make people think, you know, they are just anointed by God to critique everything like hate, mm, mm, you know, love. Everybody just want to push a button and then give some verbs and some, some nouns and move on with their own, you know, no skin in the game, but it's a whole other thing to actually make a real difference in situations. All right, let's look at Judges chapter four. We're going to just read through this. I'm going to speed up a little bit. Are you getting blessed by what we share so far? All right. Um, let's start at Judges 4.1. When Ehud was dead, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who dwelt in Herosheth Hagoyim. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, for Jabin had 900 chariots of iron, and for 20 years he had harshly oppressed the children of Israel. Now Deborah was a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at the time, so she had a seat of authority. You know what that meant? And she would sit, seat of authority, under the palm tree of Deborah, between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim, and the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. So let's stop here for a second before I go any further. Um, you know, I've heard this text preached a lot of times by men. Um, and they are very, very disparaging to my man, Lapidoth. Um, but I like to do my own research. Now, 
some of the older um, Jewish texts. I have a Jewish Old Testament, meaning this is a book. And it has a bunch of the old rabbis' commentaries. They don't believe in the New Testament, so there's no t New Testament in it, just so we clear. Um, but because they have intimate insight into the original Hebrew language, you hear things that you wouldn't necessarily see in an English Bible that started, you know, either from Europe or from Rome, you know, from Rome or for King James in London, right? And so... Um, Lapidoth as a name is female and plural. And it literally means torches, like fire. And so an alternate translation of that is that Deborah was a fiery woman. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever met one or two fiery women leaders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, you know, um, before we start dissing somebody, it may be that as a leader, she came with her own fire. Now that changes the whole context of everything that, that has been said, hasn't it? Okay, you've heard me We've been teaching through the book of Revelation and about that the churches are lampstands and then the leaders are stars. So what this says is she had her own fire. She had her own fire. She was a fiery woman leader. And listen, God's OK with your fire. He gave it to you. All right. He's OK. You got some fire. I told Nedra when she married me, you don't have to dumb down your brilliance to be with me. My ego can handle all of what I what God gave me when he gave me you. Does that make sense? Because some brothers can't handle it. I'm like, no, 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 no. I know I need help. And he gave me a help of a specific kind to help me. So why would I look the gift horse in the mouth? For what he gave me when I'm the one that needs it and I get the benefit of it. I'm just trying to help somebody. All right. All right. So. Um, notice that she had the same ministry combination of gifts as Moses. Moses was a teacher, was a prophet and a judge. She was also a prophet and a judge. Remember they said, bring the hard cases to you, Moses, you're the Supreme Court, but you put some other courts and then things that are lower, the other judges can handle the deep issues they bring to you. And like Moses, she brought regional deliverance. Okay, let's look at verse six. Then she, she sent and called for Barak, Barak, the son of Abinoam from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, has not the Lord God of Israel commanded Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor. Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and of the sons of Ebulun. And against you, I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon. And I will deliver him into your hand. And Barak, and Barak said, if you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. So she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Stop for a second. 
The same word there for woman is the word wife above. That's why I tell you, people put like when it's the same word, you have to read into the context what is said to determine who's who they're talking about. So I, when the scripture says the head of a, uh, a woman is the man, you got to determine, is that just woman or man or is that talking about wife and husband? I say in the context it's talking about wife and husband. Because I don't have the right to tell everything, every every woman in here, what I can tell Nedra. Because at some point, I can tell her, no, no, we're not doing that. Does that make sense? Now, some men think they get to boss every woman around. I'm like, hold it, bro, pump the brakes. You ain't paid the cost to be the boss. And I'm teaching my daughter, no, if he ain't put a ring on it, don't have him telling you he can just tell you what he wants, then you're going to do it. Stop that. Does that make sense? Um, the word for um, Barak is the word flash, like a flash of lightning. So what that means is she had her spark, but he had his spark, too. Now, in this development, her spark was bigger. She had torches. He just had a flash. But when you're mentoring somebody, that's what you're looking for. When you're discipling somebody, you want to put some things out and then look for this flash of lightning in them. May not be fully developed yet, but if you find something in them, then you can work with it. What you hate is, you know, you do all of this thing and then you look, you know, the lights are on, ain't nobody home. <laughs> Elevator don't go to the top floor. What you hate is you putting all this stuff out and then there's no spark within them. That's why Paul told Timothy, you have been my disciple. Now fan into flame the gift that's within you. All right. Verse nine. So she said, uh, that was, we read verse nine, verse 10. And Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali and Kadesh. He went up with 10,000 men under his command, and Deborah went with, up with him. Now, notice, see, this, for me, there is a concept that when I teach on authority, that's why, you know, people ask me, do I believe in women leaders? Yeah, I do. You know, it's part of my ordination process. They ask you these questions. I'm like, bro, I don't need to spend a long time on this. I know some of y'all do. I don't. I told him, I said, listen, you know, we can move past this. Let's talk about the stuff we're going to really have problems with because this is not one of them. I said, because I have as many spiritual mothers as I have fathers, probably more, because my mother hung out with God's leading ladies. Oh, man, that really impacted your life. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I really come to is there is a principle in Scripture called headship and helps. Headship and helps. Headship and helps. All right. So it says that the head of the, of the husband is Christ. The head of the wife is her husband. The head of Christ is God. So when Christ deals with the father, the father is head, Christ is helps. When Christ deals with the head of the home, Christ is head, the husband is helps. When in the context of the home, right, the husband is the head and the wife is the help. Now, that don't mean she can't be a leader. It just says in that context, right? We wouldn't say Christ's not a leader. We wouldn't say that. 
All right. So in this context, when Deborah was dealing with Barak, she was the head. He was the helps. But when he was dealing with the 10,000 man army, he was the head and they were the help. You just got to know how to flow in an organization. That's all. It's not even that deep. People make it all hard. You know, we having all these feminist wars, man. Stop that. You don't have to just know who you are. Y'all need to figure it out at home. Y'all need to figure it out. Don't y'all be fighting in the house because a house divided against itself can't stand. <laughs> I mean, you know, y'all need to figure it out. I'm glad my mom and my daddy figured it out. He, she wasn't, he wasn't intimidated by all her giftedness. But at home, he was the head and she was the wife. And we was all clear on what that pecking order was. Does that make sense? Just, just make it clear. Just make it clear. And y'all can get along. It don't have to be, we don't have to take the world's mess into our house. You don't have to do that. Just because they confuse, you don't have to be confused. Stop watching TV and letting them get in your house. I'm just. All right, that's that's for free. That's for somebody. Verse 12. And they reported to Sisera that Barak, the son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor. So Sisera gathered together all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron and all the people who were with him from Hiroshith. Hagoyim to the river Kishon. Then Deborah said to Barak, up, for this is the day in which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand. Has not the Lord gone out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak. And Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. But Barak pursued the chariots and the army as far as Hiroshith Hagoyim, and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not a man was left. So when you, when you begin to, to make your impact to change the community, you should expect that God's going to use a certain team that's within your connections. But you should also be in faith for God to raise up people on the outside to do what you don't have the capacity to do on the inside. Let's look at verse 17. However, Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenite, for there was peace between Jabin, king of Hazor, and the house of Heber, the Kenite. And Jael went out to meet Sisera, and she said to him, turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me, do not fear. And when he had turned aside with her into the tent. She covered him with a blanket. Then she said to her, then he said to her, please give me a little water to drink for I am thirsty. So she opened a jug of milk, gave him a drink and covered him. And he said to her, stand at the door of the tent. And if any man comes and inquires of you and says, is there any man here? You say no. Then Jael, Heber's wife, took a tent peg, took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple. That's the head. And it went down into the ground, for he was fast asleep and weary, so he died. Uh, that'll give you a headache. And then as Barak pursued Sisera, Jael came out to meet him and said to him, Come, I will show you the man of whom you seek. And when he went into her tent, there lay Sisera dead with the peg in his temple. So that day God subdued Jabin king 
of Canaan in the presence of the children of Israel. Verse 24 says, and the hand of the children of Israel grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. Here's now, um, here's one of my favorite um, scriptures about regional deliverance. I'm always looking for scriptures, you know, and they, they're not all, you know, driven um, by spiritual mothers. Some of them are driven by spiritual fathers, but this is one of my favorite ones because of the impact that it had on that community. Let's look at Judges chapter five, verses six and seven. And it says, in the days of Shamgar, the son of Anath, and in the days of Jael, the highways were deserted and the travelers walked along the byways. Village life ceased, it ceased in Israel until I, Deborah, arose, arose a mother in Israel. Now in biblical teaching, all women who lead, teach, mentor, defend, and unite are called mothers, right? Um, so it's not just talking about what you do in, in that context in your own home. Now, um, we don't necessarily do it in the church tradition that we're in. In the church tradition we're in, we call the person who does what I do pastor. But there's some places I go, if they see me with a clergy collar, they would call me father. Father so-and-so. All right. And what they're talking about is my spiritual fatherhood. Does that make sense? All right. In some church traditions, they call my mother in the flesh and in the faith because of her spiritual authority, they call her mother. And they're not trying to bring her down to just the mother of a house. They're talking about this kind of thing. All right. They'll call a church mother. They don't mean they don't mean she had children. That meant that she has a spiritual authority and influence in that. I just want you to, you know, we're going to be a uh, a spiritually empowering environment for everybody. That's our vision. All right. So when I talk about spiritual, social, and economic empowerment. I don't want the men just thinking they in the game and the sisters on the sideline can't do nothing until he just decide he want to figure out what he want to do. All right. Now, uh, one last scripture. Um, one, one key point here that I'll make. The rest of chapter five describes how Deborah and Barak were united with those who were moved to join in deliverance. But not everybody would rise up to help. If you read chapter five, he talked... <laughs> She called out the people who didn't help. So even when you're trying to make a difference in your community, don't expect everybody to get up and go with you. See, some people was too comfortable. That's what she said. If you go back and read the rest of the story, they was they was too far away from, you know, the day to day grind. So they stayed where they were because it was it was too inconvenient for them to to join in the battle. You know, as I was meditating this this morning, I thought about um, the mayor of the city of Flint. That's what came to mind. I'm just praying and meditating. And um, I believe that God has raised her up to be this kind of uniner. She's having a, a fight to do what she does. She's having a real fight to do what she does. I just want her to know that Destiny Generation Church is with you. And God is with you, great woman of God. Now, Judges 5.31 says, 
This is my last scripture and then we're done. Thus let all your enemies perish, O Lord, but let those who love him be like the sun when it comes in full strength. There's that light thing again, isn't it? Be like the sun when it comes in full strength. You know, we've been talking about how, how light, how important to be a light. You know, as we've been going through uh, the, book, the, the book of Revelation in the first couple chapters where it talks about the churches. Let those that love him, that's what I'm praying for us. Be like a light, be like the sun when it comes out in full strength. So the land that had been oppressed for 20 years got devil for its trouble. Right? So the land had rest for 40 years. Next week, um, Minister John will be ministering, Minister John Davis will be ministering on principles of regional deliverance and community impact. So I want you to stay tuned. Regional deliverance and community impact. Come on, let's stand.